Ladies and gentlemen, this is an auspicious day. What a day! What a fabulous day! It is, in fact, a red letter day. Today marks the dawning of a new episode of Real Deal No Sex Appeal. A constant barrage of eye-opening conspiracies and ad-libbed innuendo. Featuring Parker Clyer. If at first you don't succeed, keep on sucking till you do succeed. <laughs> and Chris Field. On the streets, he's known as a jackass. Two premier content creators promoting the healthiest brand integrity in the world. Tell them what they've won, Spider. The way I see it, this should be a very dynamite show. Welcome to Real Deal No Sex Appeal, episode the second. My name is Chris, with me as always is Parker. If you'll think back to the 1941 movie Sergeant York, you'll no doubt regale the true life story of Sergeant Alvin Cullum York, played lovingly by Gary Cooper, as he saves the American forces from a German machine gunner. So too shall you regale about a similar movie with a character named Dr. Poison. Wonder Woman is finally here, and we're going to talk about it. First things first, though, Parker, what movies have you seen recently? I've seen a lot of quality cinema. I have seen three movies. One of them is really good, and the other two... You're in for a surprise here. So first off, I saw Get Out, finally, like I said I would. And you were right that it's amazing. And you're also right that the other ending is absolute bottom-tier garbage, and that they should have never, ever included it. But I want to speak to you about living in a real sunken place, and that's because I watched Resident Evil 6. My God, they made me? six of those? Christopher, I've seen the entire Resident Evil series now. Oh my God. How do you feel about your life? Comparable to mine? I've only seen the second one. I remember I liked it because there was that one black guy who was like, yeah, GTA, motherfucker, yeah, ten points, and, and uh, that was the only part I liked about it. I just want you to know that I've never seen The Godfather start to finish in one sitting. God damn it. I've seen the entire Resident Evil sextology, which coincidentally is the closest I will ever get to that term. (laughs) In breaking news, I'm probably going to kill myself soon. What have you seen, Chris? Well, uh, keeping in line with my typical brand integrity, I saw the 1963 classic It's a Mad, 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 Mad World, which I'm just going to call Mad World because I don't want to say mad four times when Dude, I Dude, I love that Gears of War commercial. I'm so happy you brought that up. <laughs> it's a, a nearly four-hour movie. It's, it's certainly well over three hours, and when it first came out, they cut a lot out of it, so I saw this super restored version, and there wasn't a whole lot that they could do with some of the old footage, so they just had like stills with the old audio put over it. And... I have to admit, for a comedy, it didn't make me laugh all that much, but it was still impressive because what they were doing is they're like, we want to make a really big, funny comedy sort of thing. So they brought together all the really famous comedians of the time. They had like Buddy Hackett, uh, Milton Berle. Eddie uh, Murphy. No, Eddie Murphy wasn't alive, uh, I hope. And they had a whole bunch of people in there. They got them together. And then they were making it. It was big. It was really big news in Hollywood. So they even had other funny men calling him in and say, hey, why haven't you signed me yet? So you would get like a little cameo from Buster Keaton, who was still alive at the time. Jimmy Durante plays a dying man. And there's even like a, like a three-second cameo of the Three Stooges, who by that time I think were ancients, uh, which is why they didn't actually do anything. Uh wasn't great, but uh, I had a good time watching it. It was nice seeing all those famous people together. And I also watched a 1936 musical, of course, black and white, called Swing Time, which had Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. So th- the nice thing about Swing Time is Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers are obviously both really good dancers and surprisingly good singers, too. But there was a, a, 
I don't remember her name, unfortunately, which is the same with probably everyone who watched it, but the supporting actress in it was probably the best part of the movie. She was just funny the entire way around, and I had a good time. Anyway, the third movie that we've both seen and we both did enjoy, first time for a DC movie, was Wonder Woman. Uh, I'll let you go with your thoughts first. Well, I've just always wanted to say that I personally always found Mia Jovovich to be the modern-day Ginger Rogers, so I feel like we had a similar (laughs) experience. I'll be sure to keep that one in my memory bank for the next 16 Fred Astaire movies I watch. Before we get to Wonder Woman, Chris, I have exciting news for you, because I finally saw a movie that you've been talking about for a very, very long time. All right. What could it possibly be? Yeah, let's go. Christopher, Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Men Tell No Tales is a swashbuckling good time at the theater. You actually watched that? We agreed to go with a co-worker. It was not my idea. <laughs> I walked oh up was like, hey, we're going to the movies on Wednesday. So I, I did. Didn't, I, I didn't think that that was an actual movie. I thought that they, like, everyone saw it and saw the trailer, like, we're not actually going to see that. The studio would just revoke it, just pull it from theater and say, ah, yeah, we goofed you. It's fine. I saw it a week ago today, and I forgot 90% of it. But it's fine. It's a movie. That's that my a, review. That is it a big exists. problem for the producers because they did not want fine. They wanted the same reaction that they've got for all the other Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Oh, you mean diminishing returns and no one coming back? Apparently, they get enough people to come back for them to keep on making sequels, which is not necessarily a great thing because, as mentioned, they do the same thing with Resident Evil. What a coincidence that I've been blessed to see both of those in this last couple weeks here. But I feel comfortable saying... I fucking hate Jack Sparrow. I hate him so much. But anyways, since you didn't have to experience that, we can move right along. So I saw this at Alamo Drafthouse. We're not going to talk about the controversy because I think that's been long since settled. But I didn't see it with anyone because I don't have any friends. I mean, no one was free that day. And I sat next to two people I didn't know. And before the movie started, they did this really nice thing. I really love this. They were playing... I don't, I don't know what they called it. I would just say, this is Wonder Woman. They're like, okay, this is how she started off in the comics. And she was doing X, Y, and Z. And she was popular enough, not just with young girls, but with young men as well, that they wanted to start a bunch of live-action TV pilots. And they had some. And they even had a show that stuck for a little bit. And I have to admit, I've seen a little bit of it. It wasn't very good. And they had a whole bunch of cartoons. She was in the Super Friends and the Justice League. She had her own little other animated ventures and other things. I think she had like a brief cameo in Lego Batman. And I was like, oh, you know, that's kind of nice. It was nice seeing it all put together, and everyone there was having a good time. And the lights dimmed, and I leaned over, and I said to the girl next to me, is Wonder Woman the one who can fly, or is that someone else? And she was like, yeah, that's someone else. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm ready for the movie. Here we go. And uh, we got that DC intro you were telling me so much about. Yeah, it's exciting watching the next ten years of your life flash before your eyes, knowing you'll get a cyborg movie. Green Lantern, The Flash, and Hawkman. Until you blow your brains out. Your death will come before cast, all this ends. Who are they going to cast as Beast Boy? I mean, you know in your heart it's going to be all CGI, and there's nothing you can do about it. Just think of how many comically large animals he can turn into during dramatic climaxes. 
basically the reason I liked that presentation of the cartoons and the live action and everything like that is I had to come to grips before the movie started that I don't know a whole lot about Wonder Woman. I know enough about Superman. He's a cultural icon as is Batman, but Wonder Woman kind of less so. And it's very unfortunate because after seeing the movie, I think she ought to be held above Superman and slightly below Batman. And I have to admit, I didn't know a whole lot about Wonder Woman besides her appearances in, what, a couple of cartoons. Did you know her from anything? Do we, what, do you read a comic book, you nerd? First of all, I've never read a comic book in my life. I'm really new into nerd culture, but now I'm a huge <laughs> geek, as you know. And I don't know much about Wonder Woman, because you say she should be held in higher esteem, but like she wasn't in Oscar-winning Suicide Squad like Batman was, so I feel like your logic's a little flawed. All right, we'll see you guys at episode three. No, 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 no. we'll move on. I I have to admit, I was I, I viewed Wonder Woman going into it with a little bit of trepidation because going into it, I thought, oh, this movie's gonna suck. This was like months and months ago. I thought, oh, this is gonna suck. I, I don't know that Gal Gadot can carry a movie like this. I don't know if she's interesting enough to carry a movie like this. And there were three other DCEU movies, and they were all terrible. I had Suicide Squad, Batman v Superman, and Man of Steel, and I didn't like a single one of them. So this one didn't look so good, especially with a lot of the trailer had a lot of that gray, awful, rainy sort of London. I was like, oh, just wash out all the color, and it, it, it didn't look good. Then the reviews started coming out, and I was like, no, actually, this is, you know, it's pretty good. I didn't hear anyone saying it was a masterpiece or anything, but they said pretty good. That is a really big deal for a DC movie. And I have to admit, I came away with pretty much the same sort of conclusion. It is a good movie. It's definitely not bad, definitely not great, but good. Better than okay, good. Yeah, I'd say it's a capital G good. When <laughs> And when you're DC, like you take what you can get. Just take the good movie and build off that instead of just making worse and worse things and then promising 18 other movies. I will say... Stay tuned for Nightwing and Batgirl movies coming soon. Oh, man, that's going to be real, isn't it? I I will admit this. Part of the fun of going in there and part of what maybe go around to everyone before and like, yeah, I'm going to see Wonder Woman and I'm not going in there to hate it like I did with Suicide Squad. Part of the reason was that I knew that Chris Pine would be in it. And I have to admit, this is a power trio right here as far as Hollywood goes. Chris Pine, Chris Hemsworth, Chris Field. You can't pick just one. It's so hard. <laughs> oh my goodness. You throw Chris Evans in there, and that's an all you can eat buffet that I don't ever, ever want to stop digging into. Well, my sister said Chris Pratt, so. Oh, she likes him a little bigger, huh? <laughs> I like a bit of patriotism in my man candy, but what do I know? I'm just a good old Southern boy. Oh, speaking of, how about Chris Hogan? You're cutting that. I'm not letting that happen. <laughs> I'm not letting you fucking bring Chris Hogan into this. You, you, you pitched to me underhand. I have to hit it out of the I'm park. I'm so goddamn angry right now. <laughs> I'm going to cut off my high-pitched Joker Rich Evans laugh there. No, you're not. Yeah, I bet I am. All right. Um, yeah, so I, I wrote down a couple of notes before the movie, and one of them was, who's hotter, Chris Pine or Gal Gadot? After the movie, it's Chris Pine. Yeah, the fact that I refer to him solely as Chris Fine in every note I took should make it pretty clear that he's the winner. And that's really what this movie's about, is objectifying the human form. So, starting off with the movie, the first act, this is one I heard from a lot of other people, including Alex, who just submitted a review to TerribleBlog.net. I read over it, it's pretty good. The first act is probably the weakest part of the movie. Really? Because I would take that over the third act, like, any day of the week. I'll take slow motion jumping and firing arrows over that which we'll get to later Spoilers. okay interesting you say that i i definitely like the third act a little bit more than the first act my problem with the first act is 
well, first of all, the biggest problem with its stupid movie is tying it back into Batman v Superman again. And I was just like, oh man, I wished I could forget about that movie. It brings it back in like, no, really, guys, we're still part of that universe. So if they had cut that out, I would have been a lot happier for it. Then they go and they show Themyscira or whatever the name of their island That's is. And close enough. It's You're nice fine. enough. It looks good. It actually looks. I, I haven't seen any depictions of it in the comics because, as you know, I am not a nerd. But, like, you see it, it's like, wow, this is actually really impressive. You know, all the actresses look really good, and you think, oh, this is going to be pretty fun. And then there's this terrible green screen effect with uh, the little version of Diana, the little girl version, where she's hanging off. She falls off a wall or something, someone catches her. It's like a terrible effect. It's like, it looks like something from Superman 4. It's that bad. I was like, what are they doing? doing it can't possibly be this bad and the acting wasn't good the writing wasn't good i was just like oh man i really am in for a rough ride but i will admit that it did pick up and it was almost entirely because of chris pine's appearance from the sky so what you're saying is you hated this movie about strong women until the man showed up Oh man, I have to realize how that sounds, but I think a lot of people were on the same sort of thing around me. I was looking around at people as they're watching her train with all the other women, and I was like, oh, I'm not really enjoying this at all. But Chris Pine's appearance, everyone was everyone was giggling at him. I have to admit, the movie tried to tell a lot of jokes, and I didn't end up laughing at any of the jokes. But I will say his scene where he's bathing in that sort of weird pool sort of area, that was a bit of a highlight to everyone who watched the movie. Oh, you are not exaggerating. That image is burned in my mind. Hopefully till the day I die. I feel like long after I forget my kids' names and I'm just lying alone in that bed. Just can imagine that one hand ever so slowly creeping away. That's story for another day, though. Yeah, I I will admit that I went into this, I accidentally misread the rating online. I thought it was a PG movie, and I was like, that's that's fine, you can do a PG movie. Turns out, yeah, this is definitely a PG-13, maybe a PG-14, because there was a lot of innuendo in that scene, and was really well done. And so there was a scene where he takes out like his watch, right? And he takes out his watch, and he's like, yeah, uh, this is, uh, what are you th- oh, my watch, right? And there was obviously like a dick joke in there somewhere. And she makes the joke, it's like, you let this little thing tell you what to do, and more innuendo in there. I couldn't get over the scene from Pulp Fiction where Christopher Walken says, I hid this uncomfortable hunk of metal up my ass two years. And that's all I could think about for that scene. So that's the closest I came to laughing at Wonder Woman. You know, while watching Chris Pine, like, struggle heroically to keep his dick and balls tucked away in this PG-13 movie, I never once talked to Christopher Walken. <laughs> but that's why we're friends. Add him to the list of Chris's. Christopher Walken, right mm. up there with the rest of them. Where does he rank in your Christopher tier list? I think he's got his own tier. That's fair, that's fair. So they, when they finally get into the boat, they decide, oh, let's leave this island. It got attacked by Germans and stuff, and we don't want to be here much longer anyway. It's not a whole lot of fun. They get into a boat, and they leave for London. I gotta admit, this is one of the highlights for the movie of me. People have been getting kind of like mixed reactions from Gal Gadot as Gal Gadot or Gal Gatto. I, I've I heard it every possible way. Who well, can know? We'll call her that she brings up some very interesting points about the, the Palestinian conflict, and that's why I brought you here, Chris. Well, that's important. I will say, so they're like, they're lying down in the boat, and there's even more sexual tension, and the scene does kind of drag a little bit, but the best part about it is her face, because her face the entire time is not a face of an idiot. She's definitely not stupid in this movie. She's maybe a little bit naive, but 
she kind of knows exactly what she's talking about. And I thought that was a really big deal. This is the highest praise I can give any actor, but it reminded me of Arnold Schwarzenegger in Terminator 2. I'm serious here, because you have a guy who doesn't have full mastery of the English language as far as accents go. And I mean, that's a real thing. I understand it. So they place him in a role where he's sort of a robot. He can be emotionless and it totally works. It's a little bit different with Gal because while her accent is definitely there and very noticeable the whole time, making her a little bit naive about the way that the human world works, it definitely diminishes the effect that the accent has on the general listening public. And again, having the face there the entire time where she knows what she's talking about when she talks about human sexuality and there's a scene where she talks about pleasuring herself, that's totally fair and it works just fine. And Chris Pine, of course, has mastery over his ex and he looks exactly the way he does. So that worked just fine. Mm. I know. Yeah, I got to say like everything with that fish out of water story, like that was probably my favorite part of the movie. And have you seen the original Thor by any chance? Yeah, I saw the original Thor. That one had, uh, uh, who's the lead actress again? Is it Natalie Portman? It sure is. Yeah. That movie tries to do a whole bunch of that, and it is my least favorite Marvel movie by a long shot. So it was I very agree. nice to see it done well and not making me want to kill myself for two straight hours. Yeah, I was very nervous when they got to London and she's trying on all the different clothes. I was like, oh no, please don't make her stupid. Don't make her do weird idiotic things make her a complete goofball because as little as i know about wonder woman i know that's not who wonder woman is wonder woman is a hero speaking of that at that point i didn't think of wonder woman as a hero as portrayed by gal gatto yet i was getting to it and i was like well she's just kind of of a goofy aggressive character i like the aggressiveness though she had a certain focus she wanted to get rid of evil get rid of the war save humanity immediately just wanted to do the right thing instead of trying on dresses and all that other stuff but i will say that i totally agree the second act of the movie that is the meat of the movie that is the reason to go out and see this in theaters because that second act is one of the best things i've ever seen in any comic book movie i won't say it's exactly like dark knight or guardians of the galaxy quality but it is up there it's really good it's worth watching and it's definitely my favorite part yeah my friend that i saw with he said like the love story between them was his least favorite part and we are no longer on speaking terms for the time being because i don't understand he wanted more action, and I thought the action was the absolute worst part of the movie, with all the slow-motion bullshit nonsense. Well, you're absolutely right. In fact, I want to get to this scene, this because this is really important to me. Every single person, and I mean every single one, they all have different opinions, but every single person I've talked to agrees on this point. The best part of the entire movie, it takes place during World War One, of course. Uh, I mean, that's kind of a summary of the movie. You have to go into the trenches, right? They're going in the trenches, and she's with Chris Pine, and he's like, no, we got to go around. That's no man's land up there. And speaking as a student of history myself, I know about no man's land. It is terrible. You got the mustard gas. You got all the machine guns and everything. It's terrible. That is bad news up there. I've seen Paths of Glory, too. And she's like, no, I'm going to go up there. I'm so happy that they had admirable restraint when she said, but it's not no woman's land and, you know, go up there. So she goes up there and this is where the movie like hit its nattier. The absolute lowest point in the movie is she's up there in no man's land and the Germans are like, okay, let's shoot the woman in the red, white and blue. And she slowly raises her forearm and the bullet slowly deflects off her wristlet and it slowly hits the ground. And I'm just like, oh my God, would you go? And she does go eventually. She must've heard me and she's advancing. She has a shield up and she's deflecting the bullets and she's taking all the fire. 
that's great. She's taking all the fire and she means, you know, that means that everyone can follow in behind her in a line and they can overtake the Germans. That's fantastic. And this is the biggest thing for me. This is something that every other DC movie has missed and a whole lot of Marvel movies miss as well. She felt like a hero. She felt like an American icon right at that point. She felt like someone I want to turn on the TV and watch. She felt like someone who, when the movie is over, I want to believe that she still exists because that is the most heroic thing I've seen in a comic book movie since, I don't know, probably Batman Begins. That was incredible. It was better than anything in any of the Thor movies, better than anything in almost any Marvel movie, and certainly better than anything in Suicide Squad or Man of Steel or Batman v Superman. I never felt like Batman was a hero in those movies. I never felt like Superman was a hero either. I thought Wonder Woman was a hero in that moment. Yeah, it's weird to watch a superhero movie and see someone be both super and heroic in an attempt to save people's lives. And he's compared to Superman. This is what Man of Steel should have been. Like, I don't think anyone's going to disagree with that. You should just fucking ignore the last three garbage movies. Pretend they never happened and go, yep, this is our first movie in this universe. And we're going to build from here. Speaking of admirable restraint, a brief aside here, but I think it's worth including. Are you familiar with that 1970s Wonder Woman show? Vaguely. If by familiar, do you mean I sat around as a fat kid watching I Love the 70s? Because the answer is... A non-surprising yes. Okay, so it had like that theme song, and it was like da 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 da, Wonder Woman, and uh, it wasn't very good. Uh, anyway, the reason I bring this up about Admirable Restraint is director Patty Jenkins, who you should know from Monster, she was trying to include that theme song that somewhere in the movie, but she couldn't find a good place to put it in, so she just decided that she wouldn't. Thank you, because I know Zack Snyder would have put that in somewhere. I just know that someone would have turned on the radio and for a brief snippy would have heard Wonder Woman and it would have killed the entire movie. So seriously, I, I think Admirable Restraint is something that she should be very proud of because I, if I had heard that, I would have walked out. Yeah, if this was a Marvel movie, 100% Linda Carter would have been in the movie at some point, even if it was just for a second. They would have found a way to put her in. I don't know if that's a bad thing or not, but there's not a doubt in my mind she would be like, hey, you go, girl, or something embarrassing. <laughs> You know, I, I think about it. You are exactly right. You are one hundred percent right. She would have. She would have been one of the Amazons on the island of Themyscira. I can't believe you hated the Amazons. What's I, wrong I, with you? I, I, What's I wrong, know. Chris? Scared of strong women? <laughs> I, I don't know that I hated them. I, I just thought that they weren't very good actors and that their lines weren't particularly well written. Well, it's a superhero movie. There are some things you just have to live with, Chris. Speaking of things, I have to live with from comic book movies. Imagine. Imagine being a writer, someone who respects the craft in some capacity. You pay $13.50, you walk into this theater, and one of the main bad guys is named Dr. Poison. It's literally impossible for me to say Dr. Poison without giggling like a small infant. I, I said earlier that the movie had a lot of comedy that didn't work. For me, it was like a lot of pies flying and all of them hitting the wall. The one time I giggled, I didn't even giggle, I actually snorted really loud. It says, as soon as they said, yeah, her name is Dr. Morrow, but all the boys call her Dr. Poison. I was like, how stupid do you think the military is that they give shitty nicknames like that? See, I let that one brush off me because I could see a bunch of like grunts and foxholes saying, eh, Dr. Poison. But then when the fucking military leader said it, it was like, okay. You had one freebie. This is not okay. I couldn't get over her Phantom of the Opera mask, too. I knew exactly what was underneath. Everyone yeah, did. Yeah, of course. Why, why did you wear it you've seen time? a movie before. Exactly. So she's coming up with new gas, and I will say this. This is something that 
I think is good even for kids to see, although it was definitely kind of gruesome to watch, it's important for kids to know about this. It's important for kids to have a sense of historicity about the mm. weapons that were used, the chemical weapons that were used in World War One. Mustard gas was an atrocity. There's a reason that we don't do that anymore. Yeah, I'm really excited for parents to take their little girls of all ages to watch people get horribly, horribly murdered by mustard gas. Well, the good news about that, and I was I knew you were going to say that, because there's that scene where she breaks away from the group. She says, no, I have to find Ares. He's somewhere around here. And she goes into that city, and it's just full of that orange gas, right, that murders everyone and apparently even murders organic materials. You never actually see the after effects. I was like, oh, thank God they showed the admirable restraint there. I didn't actually want to see that. Although, getting back to Dr. Poison... Uh, th that scene where she partners up with General Ludendorff, a uh, historical figure, by the way, actually happened. Uh, he actually fought Wonder Woman and died. They have that scene where sh they throw a gas grenade into that room full of German soldiers who are ready to surrender. And then they throw in that single gas mask. And she's like, it, it won't work. It will kill them because of the German gas mask. You know, it kills Hydra and whatever thing. He's like, oh, they don't know that. I was like, and then they start laughing. Dude, like, they started uh, cackling. That fucking killed me. I died this, laughing. They don't I, know I, that. Have <laughs> I have to admit, I wasn't in on the joke. It's like, oh, so they're just going to—they're going to die before they even get to the thing. I saw how fast acting it was. I—I I, I just felt that was very, very odd. So there, there was another scene. I thought it was kind of forgettable where they go to the, um, oh, they go to that ball, right? And Chris Pine starts flirting with, say, Doctor Poison. Yes. And nothing even comes of it. Nothing. He doesn't even do anything. This is a point that Alex brought up in the review about hedging its bets and I hope I'm saying this properly I don't want to misrepresent his opinion but Fuck him, do there, it. There, there, there was something about the movie constantly portraying Wonder Woman as wrong I think that is a good thing when you do it with a naive character but a bad thing when you do it with Wonder Woman Wonder Woman I've, I've always sort of thought if she is a goddess, she shouldn't ever really be wrong about anything. It's okay for you to play her as 100% straight correct about everything she ever does, and I would have been totally fine with that. It's kind of weird her going after, at this point, uh, we should probably say spoilers. Uh, if I probably should put in a warning at the beginning. I totally forgot to say that. Yeah, whatever. We should, yeah, you know, it's she's trying to go after Ares. The crux of the movie is she's hunting Ares, the god of war. How the hell do you kill a god? Uh, she's hunting Ares. The god killer, stupid. Yeah, read a comic book, Chris. Stupid sword. Um, yeah, and she thinks it's going to be General Ludendorff, who, as we know, as real life human beings on Earth, that General Ludendorff was not an ancient Roman god of war. He was just a guy, and she goes after him. And it turns out she's completely wrong about that. And I knew she was wrong when she left to go hunt Ares on her own. And I, it just felt kind of weird being like, I know in my heart that she's wrong. Then she kills him. She sticks a sword right through his body. I have to admit, I liked it. I was like, wow, that's gruesome and graphic and really out there. And I loved it. I thought, that is so great because it shows that she's different from Batman and different from Superman and that she's not afraid to kill as long as it betters the rest of humanity. Well, you talk about everything with Dr. Poison at the castle. I feel like an original draft, it was supposed to be way different because Dr. Poison has that moment with them and then that's pretty much it for her. And then, like, yeah, they show the shot. The climax. You know, they show the shot of all those chairs outside for a big demonstration. Oh, yeah. It kind of teases, like, hey, he's going to execute a lot of these leaders. But then, out of nowhere, they fire off a fucking cannon, and this just never spoken of again. 
They yeah, just cannon right. barrage some small village and like, all right, follow the smoke signal that the Indian guy has for some reason because it's 1918. Oh. oh my god, I I I did forget about that. You know, the Indian guy was one of three companions that came with him. So oh, you mean the Howling Commandos from Captain America, dude? I love them; they're my favorite. <laughs> oh my god, I. I would. I have to believe you. I'm going to have to take you out of your word that that's actually who they are, just not some three randos created for this movie. They had that Indian guy and the Native American guy, and they had that third guy who was either Scottish or Irish, and I couldn't identify which. He's a sniper, and here's a spoiler for the movie. I like this guy because at some point they all get around a campfire, and they're all drinking and they're they're making jokes and everything, and you start to realize it's like, yeah, this humanity is worth saving, and then the. Uh, the Native American guy says, yeah, I lost all my land. It was taken from me. She says, who? It was like him. Points to the white guy. I'm like, wow, it's that's not a throwaway line. That comes back later. And you have the, the Scottish or Irish guy, can't tell which, again, just goes off on his own because he he's haunted. And you're like, man, maybe this humanity is not worth saving. It is actually a moral sort of decision for Wonder Woman, and it started to really get on me. It's like, wow, this is going to be a really tough sort of movie in a good way. And then that guy never actually uses his sniper rifle. He just looks through binoculars the whole time. Waste my time. Yeah, they're all friends in the end. And then instead of like dealing with these moral dilemmas, there's a big CGI guy in armor who throws lightning bolts. I disagree. So the same. I disagree. Here's where I'm going to get on this. This, this. this. My hot take on the third act is that it was pretty good. And not even I don't even think it was boring. I don't even think it was too much CGI or anything. The reason it got to me was three things. First, the Native American fellow saying that he had his land taken away from a white guy. Then you have the Indian guy saying he couldn't be an actor because he was the wrong skin color. Then he had the woman earlier saying that women didn't even have the right to vote. And I'll add a fourth one in here. She fell in love with Steve Trevor, played immaculately by Chris Pine. Deliciously. One so you say. have those three earlier. Humans are still in some small way or some you know, alternate way from actual slavery, subjugated in some capacity. Is this a race worth saving? She had to think about that. And at some point, after she kills Ludendorff and the war doesn't end, she gives up. She quits. And I was I was like, what in the world am I watching? Wonder Woman would never quit. She would know that humanity is, is worth saving. That's why it's so good that this is an origin story. This is what taught her that humanity was worth saving. That even for all that awful stuff that happened, you know, even for all the war still going on and women not having the right to vote and uh, Indian American actors not being given the right to play roles in movies and Native Americans having their land taken from them, she still was able to fall in love with someone. And that, to me, really was the best way that they could portray love conquering all, so to speak. That awful turn of phrase that's used as a sort of, you know, catch-all phrase. And I thought that that was just really nice, and it was love that motivated her to kill who General Ares was, who I have to admit, I don't even remember that actor's name. Don't get me wrong, I love all the thematic stuff going into the end of it. What I have a problem with is the guy with the big bushy mustache making a CGI suit of armor. And throwing tanks and electricity at her for ten minutes. I have to admit, because unlike you, I've seen like forty of these movies, <laughs> so you know. That's I have to admit that's fair, but I will say that for some reason I was fine with all the CGI. I was fine with it all going around. I, I thought there was a little bit much. I have to admit the one that got to me was again the damn slow mo. I, I can't stand all that slow mo. Hey Chris, I, I was fine. Tell with me her. about the biplanes. Oh boy! <laughs> That's what I thought. Have, have you ever seen a bigger biplane in your life? I mean, 
Coincidentally enough, in Fast and Furious 6, which you might know Gal Gadot from previously, <laughs> comma. The movie that put her on the face of the earth. Uh, I will say this. This is one of those movies where characterization is done very well, where you lose a character and you genuinely feel bad. When Chris Pine is up in that biplane and he pulls out the gun to shoot all the bombs off, my heart stopped. My heart straight up stopped. I needed, like, respiratory assistance there for a second because... I did not want to see him go. I wanted to see him parachute out of there. I wanted to see him live. If he had to go, I was going to go. I felt Gal, Gal Gadot's pain, or Diana's pain. I, I felt terrible that he was gone. And not just because he's Chris Pine, he's a perfect human being. He's a good character. I, I wish I could have got a Steve Trevor movie. Like, on one hand, I desperately, desperately want him back. And luckily, it's comic books. So you can just have, like, The Flash do it or something. But then that ruins this movie of its, like, entire meaning. So he can never come back. And nothing is worth living for. God is dead. I love you, Chris Pine. I will say this, though. You mentioned The Flash. Can't he time travel between dreams now? I mean, apparently he can just show up with some weird wispy mustache and talk about how she's the key and then disappear. And then suddenly in the next trailer be like a 16-year-old white kid. I don't fucking know. He's going to get his own movie. You're going to sit in the front row for it, too. I know. I mean, maybe when the third director signs on and doesn't leave this time and they finish rewriting the script again. Sure. Can't wait. I'll be there. You know, you were talking about the action was probably the worst part of the movie while the romance was the best. I have to mostly agree. I love the romance between Gal Gadot and Chris Pine. If I could have got just a movie with those two, like a romantic comedy, I mean, that's going to sell. That's totally going to sell. That's going to get big numbers. If it was 90 minutes of that, I would have been so... I mean, guess that technically was because it was about a two-hour-long movie. About? So no, it, was it was closer two to a hours hour. of that. It was cl- yeah, it was closer to a three-hour movie. So that's every one of these movies. Yeah. Anytime I, I see a movie that's shorter than two hours, I'd start fucking screaming and crying. I'm so excited. <laughs> Stay tuned that, for Transformers Five, by the way. Oh boy, that's going to be three hours long. I'm so ready. But the action was, of course, marred by the slow motion, which I didn't need. There's another scene of action. The first one that we really liked was the No Man's Land scene. I didn't care much for the one on the island of Themyscira. The action scene that I thought wasn't that great was one where she sort of, she's in that town, right? There's a sniper and she jumps through a window and she starts, you know, beating up all the bad guys. She uses her lasso too. I thought that was great. I love that piece of action. It was ruined by two things. One, typical DC bullshit. It was totally washed out with the colors. It was really dark. You could barely see what was going on. The worst part about it is that was a scene where Patty Jenkins was like, yep, throwing that Junkie XL theme song, the one that goes. I couldn't stand it. It practically ruined the movie at that point. Or at least that scene. Every single trailer. And I just knew deep in my heart it was going to happen whether I wanted it to or not. So I just kind of gripped my teeth and took it. What saved it, though, was her delivering a flying knee through the wall. That made that, me pretty happy. That was a very good shot. Yeah, I don't know if you follow the Twitter account. It's the one I always retweet is one perfect shot. That's the shot. That's the one that they're going to use for this movie. That's going to be in every trailer in slow motion of her just smirking and sending that dude straight to hell. It's pretty great. Yeah, and uh, the other one that they're going to use is probably her behind the shield in No Man's Land, which, again, very, very good shot. Yeah, I mean... This movie has a lot of great, like, one-shots of, like, you just freeze-frame it, boom, it's incredible. And that's a big deal. That's something I really like about movies. It's the composition of a shot. It's something that Alfred Hitchcock did really well, and something that Patty Jenkins is very good at as well. Um, I have to admit, I like the characters for the most part. I like the twists for the most part, and I like the resolution, but for the fact that, at the end, you remember 
that Justice League is going to come out. There's not a goddamn thing you can do about it. Well, I will say this. Uh, there is something that DC can do about it. They know that this is going to be their big movie. And when I say big movie, I mean the only good one they've ever made. So they're going to go back and re- do reshoots, which is totally fine. Apparently they do that with every movie these days. But I'm worried now. I'm worried that they're going to cut back on every other character except Wonder Woman. They're going to try to make her the focus of the movie, and that might be a detriment to other interesting characters like the Green Lantern, the Flash, Cyborg, Aquaman, Starfire, Batman again, Robin, the Red Hood, Hawk Girl, Hawkman. That green Martian guy from the animated Justice League on Cartoon Network, whose name I can't remember. The red robot guy who spins in fast tornadoes, who's not the Flash. Speedy. Reverse Flash. Slade! The other Green Lantern who's named after the guy from The Daily Show. Alright, that's all I can name. What, do you have like 20 more? I'm actually surprised I got that out and didn't say the black Green Lantern, so good job me. Anyway, yeah, so Justice League is coming out, and they're going to probably re-edit her back in. It might not be a problem, because she was a good character. I'd like to see her in more movies. That's not really a big deal. I mean, it comes out in November. How much more do you think they can really do? It's coming out in November? Jeez, I didn't think it was going to be that soon. I actually thought it was going to be in 2018. Oh, buddy. Oh, no. (laughs) Spend your Thanksgiving with your real family. Bruce, Clark, Diana, (laughs) and me. Barry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my good friend, Barry, and Arthur. The when only Arthur I know is a though? fucking aardvark who teaches me how to read in life lessons, not some dickhead underwater, first uh, bull- off. Are you, wait, you haven't heard of the comics? You know, he's the white moth who helps out the big blue tick? Jesus, God damn it. <laughs> Don't think I'm ever going to let go. The tick is my favorite superhero. Uh, November, man, I'm not even going to be able to enjoy the Patriots being 10-0 and 0 at that time. Yeah, so anyways, do you have any faith in the DCEU after this movie? Not enough. Uh, One of the notes I took after the movie was done, in fact, the very first note I took in big, bold letters was, she's not good enough to save the Justice League. I really don't think that she is, because you have too many movies working against the Justice League at this point. I think she's really good. I think she's easily the most interesting character to watch. I'm very happy that they're not going to have anyone from Suicide Squad in the Justice League, unless it's a cameo. I'm sure Captain Boomerang will slink his way in there somewhere. God, I hope so. Oh, Jai Courtney with a boomerang is going to take down a literal goddess. I can't wait. But beyond Justice League, like in the future, he can climb. they've learned enough to unfuck everything because if you remember marvel did not start great iron man was great and then you had the hulk movie that literally no one watches iron man 2 which is garbage thor which i hated and then captain america which is it's pretty good the first captain america was good here's okay tell you what you make a good point specifically when you bring up captain america the first one it was it was pretty good which is about the same way that i would say wonder woman is pretty good the second captain america that was real good yeah i'd put this between one and two it's better than first avenger but not a lot of movies are as good as winter soldier i fucking love winter soldier i I totally i totally agree i I would put it somewhere between i would lean it closer to the first one but it is better than the first captain america movie this is this is where i get a little bit of confidence if they can make a sequel to wonder woman again a a wonder woman 2 if they can make it even better even more i don't know mature or thoughtful or compassionate or something 
I would definitely have a lot of fun with it. It's going to be interesting, though. You know, no more Chris Pine for her to lean on. What is she going to do? It's going to be tough. Don't rub it in. I'm still, I'm still dealing with these emotions. Listen, if she can just go through her list of Chris's, Walken, Pratt, Hemsworth, mm. Field, Hogan. Dude, if Gal Gadot be... and Chris Hemsworth were together in a movie, you would just find me dead with an erection with a smile on my face. It's like That's just how I want to go out. In Listen, this I'm just saying, as a Chris, I should be next in line for one of these movies. This is you don't deserve her, first <laughs> off. <laughs> I definitely don't. Actually, you know, that you bring up a quote from the movie that humanity doesn't deserve her. That was, I have to say, Chris Pine really doing the best he could possibly do in that scene. He really was putting on an acting performance. This guy can act. It was one of the scenes that I really just loved about the movie is that she comes to grips that... Yes, humanity is worth saving. That was one of the things I liked about it. They have that little scene with a watch again at the end. All I could think about while she can't hear what he's saying because of the you know blast that went on nearby. I kept thinking that he was using the Christopher Walken voice. I hid this uncomfortable hunk of metal up my ass two years. The emotional climax of the movie. And you were thinking about him hiding a watch in his asshole. Are you joking? <laughs> again, I was over there. I was sitting with a bustle. Children crying. You're just over there. Man, it's up his ass. Good way to go. I couldn't help it. It's a classic movie. I'm so disappointed in you. So speaking of classic movies, will Wonder Woman end up being looked at as a classic? I mean, I don't see a reason why not, because everyone regards the original Superman as a classic, but I, as a millennial, just think it's cheesy and kind of shitty, because I didn't grow up with it. I don't see any reason why this couldn't be held up like that. I haven't seen the original Superman yet, so I'm going to make a solemn vow right now on this podcast. Next movie I watch is going to be the 1978 Richard Donner Superman. I promise I'm going to watch it. Are you going to watch Superman 2 and then watch the Donner cut of that and compare so I don't have to? Yeah, sure. I can I can do that. I don't have anything oh, else thanks, to do. Oh, thanks, buddy. Well, I'm definitely not going to watch Superman 3. I've already seen Superman 4. I don't know why. Do you want to watch Superman Returns? <laughs> Just kidding. You don't have to. Yeah, no I'm one definitely not it. doing that. If you put a gun to my head and asked me who played Superman, I would just start crying and ask you to tell my mom I'm sorry. Because there's no goddamn way in this world I could name Superman in that movie. Uh, it doesn't really sound like you're a real fan of nerd culture. Christopher, you know good and goddamn well. I am a huge geek. <laughs> Alright, so uh, what else is coming out? When, when, did it, when does uh, Aquaman come out? I think they're filming it right now, so probably sometime next year. A while ago, I did a huge update on terribleblog.net about the DC release slate, and it's just, it's a fucking mess. The amount of movies that don't have anyone attached besides maybe one person with no release date, it's truly incredible. Oh, that's a shame, because Aquaman is the one that you and I are both looking forward to more than any of the other ones, certainly more so than Wonder Woman, and I will say that the names on paper sound really good for Aquaman. And the fact that they've already said it's not going to be an origin story fills my heart with so much happiness. Oh, thank goodness. Some I, I deep really, water shenanigans. I, I, I've never known Aquaman's backstory. I don't even know if his creators know the backstory. I, Who cares? He doesn't need there's a backstory. A, He's underwater. There's going to be a power struggle for the king of Atlantis and a bunch of people getting burked underwater. Like, I'm happy. That's all I want. I want some deep sea monsters and shit. I just want Ariel to make, like, a quick cameo. My sweet, beautiful Patrick Wilson. I don't even know who that is. Oh, that's because you don't chain watch every James Wan horror movie. Don't worry about it. Wait, don't I've worry. Seen I'm googling him now. Seen Fargo. What? You uh, seem high IQ enough to watch Fargo? I've I've seen the movie of Fargo. Yes, you he genuinely me. looks like Tom Brady. Patrick Wilson really does look like Tom Brady. 
I should have never brought this up. <laughs> All right, what do you want to move on to next? But Chris, what will get you in the seat for a Flash movie besides this podcast? Uh, nothing besides a gun to my back. I, don't, I have no interest in seeing The Flash. Why would anyone have any interest in seeing The Flash? What, what is so great about that guy with his stupid little mustache? Look, I don't care about the character itself, but I have like eight pages worth of Gorilla Grodd mindset notes and jokes that I want to use, so that movie needs to come out. Okay, that's totally fair. I was going to make like a Barry Switzer joke, but I can't think of anything else more clever than that. I can't stand it. I just, I'm watching, you know, Batman v Superman in theaters, and he travels between time and dreams? It's going to get real fucking stupid real soon. Oh, that, well, it's real soon. It's already happened to us. It's going to get stupid again before it gets any better. What a worthless idiot sort of thing. I, no, I, I don't think I'm going to watch that one. I mean, you don't have a choice in this anymore. You've signed your soul away. As soon as I started writing for TerribleBlog.net, please please uh, follow our website, TerribleBlog.net. Turn please like and subscribe, please, God. Just click something, please. Give, a, give us a positive rating. If you give us a thumbs down, I please swear to God. Please pay for me so I can buy crack. <laughs> Check out our latest review about Fantasia 2000. Ignore Alex's review about Wonder Woman. He's a piece of fucking shit, and if he ever hears this, he won't. He's never read a goddamn word on that site. Don't give him any clicks. <laughs> I did like the name Benjamin Gazi that you gave me. So how I'd like to end this is I have another recommendation, although you made me watch Wonder Woman now. It's a 1954 movie, black and white, well over three hours long, and actually closer to four hours. And don't worry, it's got subtitles for the Japanese. This is a little movie called Seven Samurai. Seven Samurai is probably the best Japanese movie ever made, one of the very best action movies ever made. It's actually considered one of the first modern action movies. Generally considered to be Akira Kurosawa's masterpiece, it's the movie that influenced the Seven, uh, what was it, The Magnificent Seven. It was a famous western, and it's about these seven samurai, of course, who come along to help a village of farmers defend against an army of bandits, and it's incredibly well shot apparently it's real hell to make that's i have to admit you know you know a movie's going to be good when it's real hell to make because you know everyone's firing on all cylinders they're really doing their best and akira kurosawa he just shoots it so magnificently it's incredibly well written it stuff translates very very well it's got a little bit of a tragic ending too but you really you see it and you just feel invigorated it's such a great movie and i really think that if you give it an honest to god chance you're really going to get into samurai movies. I think samurai movies are going to be your pet genre. You just give them an honest-to-goodness chance. What do you say, Parker? Christopher, humans and Transformers are at war. Optimus Prime is gone. The key to saving our future lies buried in the secrets of the past, in the hidden history of Transformers on Earth. Saving our world falls upon the shoulders of an unlikely alliance. Cade Yeager, Bumblebee, an English lord, and an Oxford professor. What do you say?
Katie Yeager. This movie licks my balls. The only thing I wanted to mention is like you were talking about like your experience in the theater. I just want to say I had a similar thing. I just walked up to every woman and said, "Hi, I will protect you," and walked away. <laughs> 